Good evening, and welcome to my humble abode. I am coming live this evening from my house instead of from the synagogue uh, for a couple of reasons. One is that uh, we have had a few people that have been sick uh, within the staff of the synagogue, so we're just being very wise in how we do things. We do have one person uh, within the congregation staff that did test positive for COVID, but they have not been at the synagogue for uh, a number of days and their quarantine period will end uh, tomorrow evening. So uh, we're not concerned about that right now. We're just trying to be wise with winter colds coming up and all that. We don't know the difference between a winter cold and something else. So we just wanna make sure that we're being wise in how we do things because we do have a number of at-risk members of our community that we love and we care about and we want to make sure that they stay safe even from just the winter flu or a winter cold or whatever's going on. So we're doing it from my house. For those that uh, have been with us at these studies before, you'll notice behind me is the Applebee's window, uh, which uh, people quite often make jokes about, including Rivka, who today said we were having Bible study from Applebee's tonight, but it's not actually in an Applebee's, it's in my dining room, and it's just uh, something back years ago. Uh, we used to go to Applebee's quite a bit, and uh, when they were redecorating, we bought the stained glass window from Applebee's. I only say that because it's always one or two people that text in the messages and say, hey, what's that stained glass behind you, or what's that window behind you? It just uh, helps just to get that out of the way at the beginning. We're going to be continuing our study in the book of Romans in context. Tonight we're going to be going uh, through chapter 6 together. Uh, I'm not going to have slides behind me this week, so I hope that you have your Bible or your cell phone or your iPad or your computer or even a printed Bible all of its own that you can use to follow along with me as we go through these verses. Before we do, I want you to please be praying for uh, all of the staff, uh, Hosanna, Jonathan, uh, Catherine, who is actually feeling well, Leah, Robin, uh, Fred, Rivka, Lincoln, all of the folks that, uh, that have had this cold that's been going around. Uh, we have several people, uh, Mary Grace, who needs prayer because she broke her uh, humerus, her upper arm right here where the joint goes into the shoulder, and they're going to have to do surgery on that. Barbara Slate needs prayer. We want to continue to pray for Timothy. I want to continue to pray for Robert and Marquita. We want to continue to pray for um, Jerry and um, Sandy. And uh, we want to continue to pray for all of those in our community that they would be kept safe from this uh, sickness that's going around, whether it be just the normal sicknesses of the year or COVID. We want to make sure everybody stays healthy and blessed and is uh, provided for uh, health by Hashem, who is our ultimate great physician and the one we trust for all things. I also want to pray for our nation uh, as we transition uh, tomorrow. As all of this goes on, everybody knows that there's National Guard uh, troops, a huge amount, almost 26,000 National Guard troops in Washington. There's uh, all kinds of stuff going on. I'm praying for safety. I'm praying for wisdom. I'm praying for restraint. I'm praying for uh, President Trump, and I'm praying for uh, President-elect Biden. 
and Kamala Harris. Now, when I say I'm praying for them, that doesn't mean I agree with anything they're set to do or talking about doing. But when I pray for people, I'm primarily praying for their soul, for their redemption, for them to come to know Yeshua as their Messiah, to turn their hearts to Adonai, and to walk according to his ways. Uh, that is ultimately the answer for all people and for our nation. A nation that turns their back on Hashem has got problems. We don't want a nation that does that. So we're praying for our leaders to all come to a redeeming relationship with the Messiah of Israel. Uh, so that's prayer, and I hope you're praying along with me on that. Um, lots of things are about to happen to change. We don't know what all of them are. I'm not prophesying anything beyond that things are going to change, but that change isn't outside of Adonai's purview or sovereignty or knowledge or power. And so all things are in his hands. I said Saturday, you know, people say things are bad now, but they're going to get better. I don't think things are going to get better. I think that the Bible says over the time, and we don't know how long it's going to be or where we are exactly in the scheme of things. <coughs> but my Bible says things are going to get more convoluted, not better. I just want to be right. I want to be ready. I want to be sharing the message of Yeshua with everybody from top to bottom, inside, outside, everywhere, every day, every way I can. So I hope you'll do that also with me. Avinu Malkano, our Father, our King, we come before you right now praying uh, not only for our study tonight, that you would open our hearts and our minds and our ears to hear your word, and that that word would not only be received into our ears and our minds, but it would become part of who we are. Father, that we would be able to not only receive it ourselves, but to pour it out to others. Father, your word was given to us, not that we would just be a dead sea where your word enters into and then becomes stagnant, but that it would flow out of us so that it flows into others. And so we ask that you'll help us to uh, receive from your word. Father, take something that I say tonight and uh, feed your people with it. Father, if it takes changing what I'm speaking in midair so that when it's received by those watching, by those listening, it becomes what they need to hear from you today. Father, that's what I ask. Father, it's not about me, it's about you, it's about your word. It's about the kingdom, and Father, help us to look at that. We pray for those that are sick, those that need healing, and we just ask for you to heal, to touch, to strengthen, to bless, to remove the pain, to uh, just bless in all ways. We pray especially also for uh, Margot and for Eliana, who are having their bat mitzvah this coming Shabbat, and also for Isaac and Israel, who are having their bar mitzvah the following Shabbat. Father, as these young people rise up, to take their place in the body of Messiah within the community and our congregation. We're just so thankful for each of them. Abba, we're also thankful and praying for all of the couples in our congregation that are working toward marriage. And Father, that you would be at the center of their relationships, that they would be subservient to you, Father, in all that you say and do, and that your centrality in their relationship would make their marriages strong, godly, righteous, and fruitful for your kingdom. And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Uh, before I dig into the word, I wanted to say just a couple of more things. Uh, one, that uh, I wrote a, a very meaningful blog this week that is on my Facebook page, and I know that there's some people now that don't have Facebook. It's also on MeWe. It's also on Twitter. 
Uh, it will be on Parlor when Parlor comes back to life again. Uh, but it's about the difference between covenant relationship with God and uh, what is termed in the modern Christian or world of believers as being saved and the difference in those two things. And I encourage you to read the blog and then share it with others, whether it's shared by email or text messages or however you want to share it, um, that that would be uh, available to other people. It's going to be on Charisma Magazine tomorrow. It'll be on Kahila News. It'll be on a number of other periodicals that carry my blogs. But this one was especially meaningful, and, and I wanted to, uh, to let you know about it. Uh, two more quick things. Uh, one is that we will be having study at the Drowsy Poet tomorrow evening. Uh, so come and join us for Torah study there. Uh, the, another thing is that I did release a new book. It's called If It Wasn't for the Talmud, I Wouldn't Be a Messianic Jew. Uh, so check that out. It's available on Amazon and, and uh, online. You can find it on my website, RabbiRT.com. But more important than my new book, my son, Rabbi David, uh, just published uh, a new book on the book of Ephesians. And it's a very interesting uh, view of it, a, a look into Ephesians that I think will be a blessing to you. So uh, if you can only buy one of the two books or one of my book or one of his books, let me encourage you to go ahead and, and buy the book of uh, Ephesians uh, that my, my son, David, Rabbi David, just published. And uh, you can find links for that uh, by going to either my Facebook or uh, other places where it's at. But I encourage you, it's, uh, it, just look up on Amazon under uh, David Tokager and type in Ephesians. It'll come up as the top thing. And I encourage you to, uh, to purchase that and study it. We are going to be doing a study on the book of Ephesians uh, coming up in a while, but uh, that will give you a good head start and a good perspective of the book that I think will be a blessing not only to you, but I encourage you to share it with others and encourage others to purchase it. Um, I also want to remind you that Tuba Shabbat's coming up. And we're going to be planting a tree, so please plan on participating in that. The tree is going to be planted at the synagogue. We're going to have our young people, our kids, come up, help us plant a tree, and share about this, uh, this holiday. So, okay, now let's dig into the text for tonight. And uh, I always start by going over the last few verses of the previous study. So last time we studied together... On this Romans in Context study, we finished up chapter 5. So I'm going to read from Romans chapter 5, 19, 20, and 21. Talk about that a little bit, and that will give us a running start into chapter 6, which is what we're going to go over tonight. By the way, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to uh, put them in the comment bar, and I'll try to respond to them after the study. I don't have the ability to do that during the study. But I will respond after the study, and I also want to invite you, if you're watching and you're online uh, and you may not be in Pensacola, or maybe you are in Pensacola, I encourage you to, if you're in Pensacola, come by and be with us at Bridom at 6700 Spanish Trail, uh, normally on Tuesday nights, but on Shabbat on Saturday, we have a 9 o'clock class called Foundations of Messianic Judaism, which is just an open forum discussion class, and then our regular service starts at 10 o'clock, and I encourage you to come visit us. Uh, if you're away from here, but you might be visiting Pensacola, come visit us. And uh, if you're 
watching online and we're uh, blessing you, I encourage you to go to our website, shalompensacola.com. You'll find a lot more teachings on there, uh, blogs as well as videos of Tuesday night teachings and Saturday teachings, information about our synagogue, what we believe, our statement of faith, all of that. But there's also a way for you to contribute and support our ministry. Uh, so we encourage you to go and, and do that if the Lord leads you to support what we're doing. Okay, Romans 5, 19. For just as through the disobedience of one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man many will be set right forever. Now, let me stop there for just a second because some people look at that, and especially in uh, non-Messianic or, non or traditional Judaism that doesn't yet believe in Yeshua, uh, they'll look askance at statements like that, that, you know, disobedience, uh, all disobedience came from one man, and many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, many will be set right forever. And they'll say that's not the way we look at things, and there is no such thing as original sin, and, and all of that. First of all, I believe there is the sin of Adam and Eve, which brought sin into the world, and with it brought death and judgment and that through that one man, sin, Adam, that came on through all people. But I also want to talk about this through obedience of one man. Many will be set right forever. That is also a Torah concept. And one example of that is when we're studying the Torah about the cities of refuge. And the city of refuge was established for a number of reasons. But one primary reason was that if somebody was to kill somebody accidentally they could run to the city of refuge and they could stay inside the city walls and as long as they were inside the city the avenger from the family someone from the family of the person that was killed uh, would not be able to kill them or punish them because of their act they would accidentally kill somebody they would run they would hide in one of the cities of refuge and so this whole city was filled with people that were disobedient, that had done something wrong, that had violated the Torah in a way. In this case, we're talking about people that committed a, a uh, uh, that killed somebody. But when the high priest of Israel died, all of the people in the cities of refuge, all of the cities of refuge were then set free from having to remain in the city. And the scripture actually says that the high priest's death brought atonement for the people inside the city. So we see by the obedience of one man, many are set right forever. The death of the high priest brought about the setting right of all of those people in the city of refuge that had to stay there because they had accidentally killed somebody. And it was the only way they would be safe would be by staying in that city until that happened. So it is not something outside of the Torah to understand that by the obedience of one man, many would be set free. Likewise, the high priest and the priest would make sacrifices for Israel, and so the obedience of one man would set right the entire nation. When the high priest made the Yom Kippur sacrifice, that sacrifice was for the nation, and so the obedience of one man also set right the nation with the Yom Kippur sacrifice. So this is not something foreign to Judaism or foreign to Torah. This isn't a New Testament or a Christian concept. This is a biblical Torah concept that we find uh, previous to the coming of Yeshua is, uh, in the flesh and the 
disciples who wrote uh, these books that we read about in the Brit Kadashah, or read in the Brit Kadashah. Okay, continuing on. Now the Torah came in so that transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace overflowed even more. And we talked about that. It says, so just as sin reigned in death, so also grace must reign through righteousness to eternal life through Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. And our righteousness comes through Yeshua, not without him. We do not obey the Torah in order to be saved. We obey God's word. So because we are and Torah was given so that we would understand sin and our transgression, our understanding of our transgressions would increase. Uh, but the more we understood our sins, the more grace overflowed. And that's the same way in our lives today. If we really think about it, the uh, I'm not, a, not uh, I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself that there are times where. I look at my life and I look at the way that I fail at times or I don't do things that I could. And because I study his word, it reveals within me those things where I fail, where I miss the mark, where I sin. And it increases my knowledge of my sin, but that also increases my knowledge of his grace to forgive me of my sins. So, so that's the end of Romans 5 and we begin with Romans 6. And it says this, What shall we say then? Or do we continue in sin so that grace may abound? May it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who were immersed into Messiah Yeshua were immersed into his death? So again, Romans 5 ends telling us that, that the Torah was given, that the word of God was given, that God's instructions were given so that we would see our sin and realize his grace but that knowledge doesn't give us a license to sin, but actually is supposed to free us from sin. It doesn't give us an excuse. We can't say then that because we have grace, we should continue in sin. This actually says it very clearly in Romans 6.1. It says, what shall we say then? In other words, because we understand God's grace, does that mean we continue in sin? Because that way grace would abound more. In other words, we would... Sin more so that we would know God's forgiveness is greater. Uh, to almost challenge God's ability to forgive us even more than what we sin. That's not what it's talking about. And we should never look at it this way. Grace is not a, uh, and a, a give us a license or the free ability to continue in sin. Grace is supposed to lift us out of sin. And again, it says, may it never be. That's a very strong statement. And it says, how can we who died to sin still live in it? And again, this is a challenge that we need to understand because there are many people who believe and have been taught that as believers in Yeshua, because they came to faith in Yeshua, they're now made right by God so that no matter what they do, that grace covers their sin so they don't have to even try because they're told works won't save them, so they don't have to do anything, and they're not required to do anything. But that's not what this says, and it's very clear that we should not continue to sin so that grace may abound, or grace may be enlarged. We should never do that. It says, how, may it never be, how can we who died to sin still live in it? If we died to sin, we should not continue living in sin. We should choose to walk in righteousness. That doesn't mean we're going to get it right all the time, but it means we should strive, we should continue to mature, to grow, to, to work harder at uh, being mature or adult in 
the Messiah and what he does. It's, you know, when we have small children, I, I'm living now with my grandchildren who are just absolutely wonderful and energetic, but I get to watch them as they learn things. Uh, a little while back, my youngest grandson, uh, my, my son had asked him a question. My youngest grandson answered telling an untruth or a lie. And so my son had to explain to him what a lie was and why it wasn't good to tell a lie and that he shouldn't do that. And it was just amazing to watch as my son shared this understanding and this knowledge with his son while I was watching and my grandson starting to understand the concept of not committing a sin, of not doing something that was wrong or ungodly. But he had not known that before. He, he hadn't encountered that before. He didn't know. And it's the same way with us. The more we encounter our sins, the more we understand God's grace, but that doesn't provide a means or a mechanism for us to continue to sin because that makes God's grace stronger. No, no, not at all. And it says, may it never be. It goes on to say, or do you not know that all of us who are immersed into Messiah Yeshua were immersed into his death? And this gives us that symbol of immersion of the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Messiah that we read so strongly in the book of Romans that tells us about the new birth experience and how we become a new creation in Messiah Yeshua. Old things are washed away, but all things become new. And this is through his death. He died so that we could be made new, so that we could walk above sin. Not so we could have an excuse to continue in. Matter of fact, Paul wrote something very similar to this earlier in Romans. When we go to Romans chapter 3, verse 31, it says, Do we nullify the Torah through faithfulness? May it never be. On the contrary, we uphold the Torah. Uh, other books use a different word for nullify. Do we abolish the Torah because uh, through our faithfulness? May it never be. On the contrary, we uphold the Torah. Our faith doesn't nullify the Torah. It doesn't do away with the Torah. It upholds the Torah. And likewise, we, should we say that we should continue in sin so that grace may abound? Never, 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 never. We need to understand this concept because it's contrary to what's taught today in many congregations, many churches, many other places where people are teaching that because we are human, we cannot walk above sin. But that's not true at all. And I've said this dozens and dozens of times as I talk to people who say, oh, you can't not sin. It's impossible not to sin. So I ask them, have you murdered anybody today? No. I said, well, then it was possible for you not to commit that sin. Uh, have you committed adultery today? No. No, I didn't do that. Well, then it's possible for you not to commit that sin. Did you rob a bank today? Nope, nope, didn't do that. Okay, so it's possible for you to not commit that sin. And if we can choose not to commit those sins, we can also choose to filter our thoughts and our minds and subject them to the Spirit, to the Ruach Elohim, so that we don't choose to sin, period. So Romans 6.4 continues, Therefore we are buried together with him through immersion into his death, in order that just as Messiah was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. We die, and then we rise in newness of life. And it's not just that we're given newness of life, 
but we're commanded to walk in newness of life. And we see the word walk in Jewish thought, walk halach. Uh, it's where we get the word halakha from, which is to walk in a way, to walk accordingly. So this isn't just we rise up and we're new and we can just do whatever we want to and, and we just trust in the Lord's grace that no matter how we act or what we do, we're going to be fine because uh, we died with Messiah and we rise in newness of life. And that new life, that new soul, that newness that God gave us is uh, like... Um, uh, the, the silverstone, like the stuff on pots that stuff can't stick to. It's, you know, that we can no longer sin because it just slides right off of us because we have newness of life. No, it tells us we might walk in newness of life. We have a responsibility to walk according to God's word in the newness of life. For if we become joined together in the likeness of his death, certainly we will be joined together in his resurrection. And what a wonderful promise that is, that if we are joined in his death, if we have repented, if we have been immersed, if we have risen again in the flesh, in spiritual, but in our flesh, we will also be joined together in his resurrection and the promise of the resurrection. And again, resurrection is not a New Testament concept either. It is a very Jewish concept. Matter of fact, when we say parts of the Amidah, especially the Gabor Adonai, it talks about the resurrection of the dead right in the prayer. We Biblically, we've always held on to the uh, belief and the understanding of a resurrection. Romans 6, 6, Knowing our old man was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be done away with, so we no longer serve sin. For he who has died is set free from sin, now, if we have died with Messiah, we believe that we shall also live with him. And again, we've been crucified with him so that the sinful body might be done away with. We've been given newness of life to walk in newness of life. He has set us free. He didn't set us free to sin. He set us free from sin. And we've died with him. We shall also live with him. What an amazing promise. What an amazing hope that we have. And all of this hope is a result of covenant promises that God made with his people. He opened a door to covenant with us, and all of this is the fullness of those promises of covenant that God had given to us. Romans 6, 9, we know that Messiah, having been raised from the dead, no longer dies. Death is no longer master over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So also continually count yourselves both dead to sin and alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. And again, I want to read this over again because it says he's been raised from the dead. He no longer dies and death is no longer master over him. Likewise, death is no longer master over us. We will, if we're believers, if we've been through death with him, we're resurrected with him we will live forever. Our souls will live forever. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. And it's once for all time. One death for all time. He doesn't have to keep dying every week. We don't have to have a sacrament in which he's dead every week and he becomes part of the communion where every time someone does communion, they eat of the bread, they drink of the wine, that Yeshua is dying over again. 
That is not what it's talking about. And he died once for all. I love this verse. I love other verses that go along with it because he didn't die just for some. He died for all. There is nobody anywhere that was predestined by God, that were created by God without the hope of redemption. He died once for all, not just for some, not for a handful, not for just the chosen, but he died once for all. And it says, but the life he lives, he lives to God. And his life is, is eternal to God. And so also continue to count yourselves both dead to sin. We are dead to sin, but we are alive to God in Messiah Yeshua. As long as we stay in Messiah Yeshua, we will stay alive to God. Okay, Romans 6.12. Therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. This is so clear that it tells us we have the ability not to let sin rule in our mortal body so that we obey its desires. God would not command us, God would not instruct us to do something that it was impossible to do. You have to remember, God is not only the creator and ruler of the universe, he is not only just the Melech, the king, but he is also Abba, our father, and no loving father would charge their child to do something that they knew it was impossible for them to do. That would be unjust and unloving and uncaring in every form we can figure out. So if the Lord says, therefore, do not let sin rule in your mortal body so that you obey its desires, that has to mean that we have the ability to not let sin rule and to not obey the fleshly carnal desires of our flesh. And do not keep yielding your body parts to sin as tools of wickedness, but yield yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your body parts as tools of righteousness to God. And again, it says, do not yield or do not keep yielding your body parts to sin as tools of wickedness. If that was an impossible thing to do, God would not tell us to do it. We must be able to keep from yielding our bodies as parts to sin, as tools of wickedness. We can yield ourselves rather to God as those alive from the dead and your body parts as tools of righteousness to God. God is to use us. We are to be vessels of his glory. We're to be vessels that he uses to be a, a blessing to the kingdom, to to be used to pour out what he has poured in, to, to lead people to Messiah, to do all kinds of things that God would have us to do as tools of righteousness. But we have to yield to that. We have a choice. We can yield to sin or we can yield to God. But the choice is ours, and we have the ability to make the right godly choice. Romans 6.14, For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? May it never be. Now these verses are verses that become very controversial and very misunderstood because of this concept of being under law or under grace. But I want you to read with me the second part of this statement Shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? May it never be. And again, we see that very strong statement, may it never be. What is sin? 
Sin is the transgression of the law. What he's saying here is you're not under the constraints of law for your salvation. You are under God's grace. You can't work your way to salvation by being obedient to the Torah. You have to be obedient to the type of faith, to the belief, to the provision, to the redemption of Messiah. And that doesn't mean then that we can go sin, and sin is transgressing the law or violating the law. So this isn't saying you're not under law, you can now sin because you're under grace. It says you're not under the constraints of law for your redemption. It's never been that way. Israel has never been redeemed or saved because they were obedient to the Torah. They've always been redeemed because of the covenant that God made with them. God made covenant with Adam. He made covenant with Noah. He made covenant with Abraham. He made covenant with Isaac, with Jacob. He made covenant with Moses and David. He made covenant with Solomon. He made covenant after covenant after covenant after covenant. And because of those covenants that God opened the door for us to enter into with him, we had the opportunity to be redeemed. And one of those covenants is what we call the Mosaic Law. The Mosaic Law doesn't save us, and we're not under the Mosaic Law. We're under God's covenant, and the relationship with Him is through covenant, not through obedience to the law. The law is how we live after we enter the previous covenants. And it's so important for us to understand that. It says we're not under law, but under grace. Do we, do we then sin? No, we don't. Grace has never been an excuse to sin. It has become that way to a large percentage of the body of Messiah. They have come to a conclusion that's faulty, that they do not have the a power or the ability to live above the law. But the scripture says he gave us his ruach to give us the power to be witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of his covenant. Witnesses of his love. Witnesses of his redemption. Witnesses of his grace. And how do we do that? Through the strength and power of the Ruach HaKodesh in our life. Sin is not our master. We're not under the law. We're under grace because of his covenant that he made with us all the way back to Adam. All the way back to Noah all the way back to Abraham. And when we read in the book of Galatians, we find out that the scripture clearly tells us that a covenant doesn't replace another covenant or a previous covenant. It builds upon it. And so it's really important that we understand this concept. Romans is not giving liberty to sin. Romans is teaching liberty not to sin. Liberty to walk above sin, free from sin, to walk as someone given new life rather than someone under bondage to sin. Romans 6.16, Do not you know, or do you not know, that to whatever you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to what you obey, whether to sin resulting in death, or to obedience resulting in righteousness. Now I'll stop there for just a minute to remind you that when we started this study way back weeks ago, and we were talking about who the book of Romans was written to. I want to remind you that the book of Romans was not written to unsaved people. 
It was written to people that had been redeemed. These are people that are part of the body of Messiah in Rome. This is instructions to believers already. This is not telling them how to become believers. It's telling them how to live as believers. And he's reminding them, do you not know that whatever you yield yourselves as slaves for obedience, you're slaves to what you obey, whether to sin resulting in death or obedience resulting in righteousness. It's a choice of sin or righteousness. Both, again, as I said earlier, is how we yield ourselves to be servants to. We are either servants to obedience or servants to sin. And so we have to understand that. This is something that we, we just really have to get a handle on because too often this isn't taught. Uh, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching under which you were placed. Now, because we're doing this at my house instead of doing it online, uh, we're probably only go for about 15 more minutes because I'll be finished with this and we don't have the slides. It takes a little less time when I'm doing it off of my, uh, my phone at my house. So I'm just letting you know as you're watching this, there's probably going to be about 10 or 15 more minutes uh, unless I get long-winded and it becomes a little longer than that. Uh, verse 17, But thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching under which you were placed. And so he's telling them, you have a choice to be slaves to sin or slaves to obedience. And then he says, but thank God that you were slaves of sin, but you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching under which you were placed. In other words, you were servants of sin, but now you've wholeheartedly changed. You become followers of teaching under which you were placed. And again, teaching requires response. When you teach somebody how to do something, they don't learn how to do it so they can sit there and not do it. If, if I'm teaching you how to pray, I'm teaching you so that you'll pray. If I'm teaching you how to read, I do that so that you'll know how to read. If I teach you how to walk, I'm doing it so you'll learn how to walk. If I teach you how to ride a, a, a bicycle or, or ride a horse or fly an airplane or whatever you're taught, the reason you're taught something is so that you would do what you were taught. And so he's comparing you, saying you were slaves to sin, but now you've been taught better. You were placed under teaching, and this teaching brought about a change in you. And again, that doesn't mean these people were perfect, but it does mean that they have made steps in the right direction. It is reminding them, continue to go, continue to grow, continue to learn, continue to change, continue to dig deeper, continue to pray more, continue to read more, continue to share more. Continue to walk in the ways of Scripture more. Verse 18, Romans 6.18, And after you were set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. And there's another verse that says that the believers were addicted to the ministry of the saints. There's a, a, a power uh, through the Ruach, a place that we can be in, where our minds are so changed and our hearts are so changed and we walk in such conviction that it's almost as if we can't sin. Not because it's not possible, but because it's so foreign to us to do so that we just can't do it. goes on, verse 19, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh for just as you yielded your body's parts as slaves to uncleanliness and lawlessness 
leading to more lawlessness, so now you yield your body, body parts as slaves to righteousness, resulting in holiness. And he said, you guys, now I used to have people that said, you know, I, you, I, and like Paul said, I was the chiefest of sinners. I was the best at it. I, I gave it my all to be a sinner. Now I'm giving it my all to the Lord. I, I made a, a firm commitment to sin before, but now I've committed to righteousness. And that's what he's talking about here. He said, you used to yield yourself body parts of slaves to uncleanliness to lawlessness, which just led to more lawlessness. And that's so true. If you open the door to sin, you will open door to more sin. Once you let the, the salesman of sin get his foot in the door, then it will continue to open that door for more and more sin. Our conscience gets uh, 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 seared so that we, we aren't bothered by it as much. Uh, we see that in, in real life things like, uh, for instance, television programs. If, if you're my age or older, you know how much television programs have changed. Matter of fact, when I was a kid, there was a, a, a comedian who had a whole act on the seven words that would never be said on television. And now every one of them is said on television. It, it's not because just somebody the next day changed, but because of uncleanliness and because of lawlessness, it led to more and more and more and more and more lawlessness. You look at our society today and all the things that have changed, and especially uh, those that have been watching over the last few years, as it seemed like sin has by leaps and bounds infected our culture. And, and there's been such a cultural shift in in thoughts like abortion or marriage and all those things, that isn't because someday somebody just woke up and said, hey, I think we'll change this way. It's because of uncleanliness and lawlessness that made it so that it wasn't possible to not continue into more lawlessness, 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 because you yielded yourself, and we as a people yielded ourselves to sin. It's kind of like somebody who has... Uh, you know, lives with somebody before they're married, and then they get married, and their kids find out they can't hardly tell their kids not to do that uh, because they're they're telling them to not do something they do, and the kids look at them as hypocrites, and things just keep going on. Now, I understand that if that happened before you were believers, you could tell your kids, "Yeah, I used to be a sinner, but now I live for the Lord." But I'm talking about people that are just living in sin uh, outside of the scope of of uh, faith, outside of the body of Messiah. Uh, it's almost impossible for someone who's violating the commandments to try to teach their children to not do the things they did because they look at them and, they, and it just uncleanliness and lawlessness leads to more lawlessness, leads to more lawlessness. And it says, so now yield your body parts of slaves to righteousness resulting in holiness. And we can do that. We can yield our bodies, our flesh, our minds, our hearts to righteousness, which results in more holiness and when we see the word holiness, a lot of times people, especially in the South, immediately their mind goes to holiness congregations or churches and talking about long sleeves and long dresses and long hair and makeup and all that. This is not talking about that. By the way, I'm also not talking against modesty and those things. Those are biblical concepts. But holiness biblically means separation or being different from the world. And, and that doesn't just mean dress. It means lots of things in lots of ways. So slaves to righteousness results in our becoming more and more and more and more separate from the world and from worldly ways, just like lawlessness leads to more lawlessness, righteousness leads to more holiness. 
Romans 6.20, For when you were slaves of sin, you were free with regard to righteousness. In other words, if you're a sinner, you're free from righteousness because you're not a part of it. I, I've had people, uh, one couple told me one time, you know, Rabbi, before, you know, I was pregnant before we got married and, and they had just came to faith and they, you know, were in love with the Lord, but they wanted to let me know. And I said to them, I said, oh no, you're kidding. You mean you were a sinner before you got found by Messiah, before you were redeemed, before you were saved? You mean you sinned? I'm shocked, shocked, I say. But the reality is when you're living in sin, you don't even think about regarding righteousness. It's not on your radar. It's not who you are. It says, so then what outcome did you have that you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. And so again, he's comparing you, saying, why, why are you doing things to be ashamed of? The end of those things is death. You, when you were in sin, you didn't regard righteousness. Now you're in righteousness. You shouldn't regard sin. You shouldn't think about sin. You shouldn't fall into sin those, and do things that you would be ashamed of. And those things end in death. Verse 622, but now having been set free from sin and have become enslaved to God, you have your fruit resulting in holiness and the outcome is eternal life. For sin's payment is death, but God's precious gift is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua our Lord. And he ends the chapter by reminding us that sin's payment is death. But God's gracious gift is eternal life and that we have become enslaved to God. We have fruits resulting in holiness and the outcome is eternal life. You and I who have put our faith in Messiah Yeshua, who believe in his redemptive work, who believe in the atonement that was provided by his sacrifice, by his offering, when he became the carbon or the, the offering for us, when his blood was shed, when he became like that high priest at the city of refuge when his death provided release and freedom, when all of that was provided, we exchange sin for righteousness, that righteousness results in fruits of holiness, and the outcome of walking in separation or holiness is eternal life. Again, sin's payment is death, but God's gift is eternal life. And I love the way that words because sin's payment versus God's gift Sin, we earn the payment. It's kind of like you work all week long. At the end of the week, you get your payment, you get your check. God's gift isn't something we earn. It's something we enter through covenant. And that gift is eternal life in Messiah Yeshua, our Lord. Next week, we're going to continue on with chapter 7. I hope this has been a blessing to you. If it has, I not only hope that you'll uh, watch it again yourself, but that you'll share it on Facebook with other people and encourage others to watch and follow along with us. Again, you can go to shalompensacola.com to find out more about our congregation. Come be with us on Shabbat at 6700 Spanish Trail or watch us online on uh, this Facebook page. And again, share with others if this is a blessing and don't forget um, that you can support us by going to the donate uh, uh, click thing icon and, uh, and then donate, follow the directions to support and bless the congregation. Once again, as we close, pray for those in our community that are fighting sickness uh, and pray for those that need healing, that, that have been injured or are uh, dealing with significant issues like cancer, 